Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from The Pornographer's Apprentice, written by Elizabeth Sarai. Steampunk erotica with a kinky feminist bent. She wants to build sex toys, if they'll let her. In prudish patriarchal Victorian England, 19-year-old prodigy Gillian Smith finds a secret society dedicated to the erotic arts. She'll need both her intellect and her physical charms to earn the permanent position she craves. Inspired by a salacious catalog found in her deceased uncle's library, she applies for an apprenticeship with the Toymakers Guild. The Guild fabricates bespoke sexual artifacts for the private pleasure of select clients, an occupation for which Jillian, with her technical abilities and her lascivious temperament, is eminently suited. The other apprentices, initially skeptical about a female engineer, become enthusiastic supporters once they've tested her erotic aptitude. The voluptuous governing director and the dashing French journeyman likewise help expand her carnal repertoire. The final decision, however, rests with the reclusive master toymaker who has been missing for nearly two years. When an unscrupulous nobleman sets up a competing enterprise, he threatens not only the livelihood of the guild's members, but their lives as well. Gillian hatches an audacious plan to entrap the villain, save the guild, and leave the absent master no choice but to grant her heart's desire. If you like steampunk erotica with a kinky feminist bent, you'll love The Pornographer's Apprentice. And now for your listening pleasure, an excerpt from The Pornographer's Apprentice. Chapter 1 Gillian found herself in a lofty entry hall, far brighter and more modern than she would have expected from the time-ravaged exterior of the mansion. The plastered walls were a pale cream, while the floor was tiled with grey-streaked sandstone. To her left and right, closed French doors with frosted glass hid the rooms beyond. A grand staircase rose in front of her, looping in graceful ovals to balustraded landings on the first and second floors. Once, perhaps, ancestral portraits had graced that ascent. Now, the walls showcased art of a different sort, images that brought a blush even to Gillian's cheeks. Setting her bag on the floor and the catalogue on a convenient table near the door, she crossed to the foot of the stairs in order to examine the paintings more closely. On the first canvas, a voluptuous nude, larger than life-sized, lounged on a satin-draped chaise. Her abundant flesh practically glowed, Captured in loving detail, her swelling breasts and derriere appeared almost three-dimensional. One of her hands lingered at her throat. The other settled firmly between her rounded thighs, her fingers threaded into her russet pubic fur. With her closed eyes and parted lips, the woman was obviously in the throes of carnal ecstasy. Under her practical gabardine bodice, Gillian's nipples snapped into aching knots. She was no prude. If she were, she'd not be seeking admittance to the guild. Still, she hadn't expected such overt displays of lewdness. 
The next portrait offered an even more risque scenario. Two women, clad only in wispy chemises, enjoyed a passionate kiss while their hands explored each other's charms. The older of the pair, who had short, severe dark hair, had her thigh wedged between the young blonde's legs. So skilful was the painter that he'd convincingly captured the dew of feminine moisture coating the pale skin. The blonde beauty in the painting reminded Gillian of Letty. She had the same delicate build and fair complexion, more suited to a lady of quality than a downstairs maid. Gillian's chest tightened as she remembered bringing sweet Letty to her spending, then lapping up the girl's delicious nectar. "'Twas Letty who'd saved her, listening at keyholes as all servants were wont to do. She'd learned of Cousin Lyle's spiteful lies and hastened to inform her roommate and sometimes lover. Gillian hoped no suspicion would fall upon the young housemaid when the family discovered her absence. She was surprised to realize she'd climbed the first half-dozen steps. She leaned closer, entranced by the droplets of love juice shimmering on the older woman's flesh. Fine Newton, she missed Letty already. But that was a different life. She might never see the girl again, except in her fantasies. The tingling in her nips sizzled down to her hidden cleft, when she examined the next painting. The first had been titillating, the second delightfully wicked. This image was unquestionably obscene. A ripe-fleshed woman, perhaps the same subject as in the first portrait, lay bent over a table, her chest pressed to the surface and her arms spread wide. Leather thongs wrapped each wrist and secured her to hooks under the table. The position elevated her magnificent bum, while her parted legs displayed both the moist folds of her quim and the brown rosette of her rear hole. Behind her stood a powerfully built, dark-haired man in a leather mask. In one hand he brandished a dressage whip, the other clasped his livid, hugely swollen prick. Peering more closely at the painting, Gillian noticed a pattern of faint pink lines striping the woman's generous arse and viscous white liquid dripping down the inside of her thighs. It was clear that in a few moments the whip would raise fresh welts and the cock would once again impale the victim's helpless body. Heat rushed from Gillian's core to her extremities. Her many-layered clothing felt far too tight and her drawers uncomfortably damp. After studying the volumes in Uncle George's library, she thought herself well-versed in the language of erotic imagery, but these paintings were both more realistic and raw than any of his naughty drawings. Who was the artist? Who were the subjects? What increasingly extreme scenes might she encounter if she continued to ascend the stairs? Hey, you, where are you going? Come down here this instant. With a flash of guilt, Gillian whirled away from the filthy paintings. Two young men stood in the hallway appraising her. She straightened her spine, raised her head high, and descended with as much dignity as she could muster. I'm very sorry. I called out, but there didn't seem to be anyone here. How'd you get in? asked the dark-haired chap, 
who didn't have quite enough flesh on his bones to match his considerable height. I entered the passcode. She couldn't keep the pride out of her voice. What? The fairer one exploded. Who told you the code? Have you been spying? I worked it out. She flashed him a smug smile. I mean, when I realized that the Nautilus was a Fibonacci spiral, it was obvious. The two looked at one another, apparently struck dumb with amazement. Finally, the lanky one spoke. To our knowledge, no one has ever guessed the code before, especially not a girl, added the other. I'm not a girl, she snapped. I'm an engineer, and it wasn't a guess, it was a rational deduction. Another period of silence ensued, during which urgent, wordless communication passed between the two. Gillian used the time to examine her interrogators. They appeared to be a few years older than she. Both were casually dressed, in shirt sleeves without any sort of collar or cravat. The shorter, rounder one in particular looked rather disheveled. Both were quite handsome, each in his own way. The skinnier one had jet-black hair, intense eyes behind wire-framed spectacles, a prominent nose, and surprisingly sensual lips. His companion had a mop of reddish curls, plump cheeks, twinkling blue eyes, and a mouth that reminded her of Letty's. What are you doing here, anyway? The dark one pulled a chair from near the wall and straddled the seat, leaning on the back. Randley's not on the tourist circuit. I want to join the Toymakers Guild, she answered simply. His eyebrows shot up. You hear that, Archie? She wants to join the Guild. Indeed, Ian, I hear it, but I don't believe it. The redhead donned an expression of mock concern. Young lady, you'd best leave quickly, while your virtue is intact. You have no idea of the wickedness that goes on here. Oh, but I do. She stalked across over to the entrance, retrieved the catalogue from the table, and let the volume fall open randomly. Drawings of naked men and women cavorted on the thick, creamy paper. The women wore extravagant phalluses strapped to their loins. The men had horsetails embedded in their assholes and leather bits in their mouths. She flipped to the next page, which displayed an artifact resembling a loom, but with gears and dials, tubes and gauges, and a whole row of artificial dicks. On the next page, a life-size automaton of jointed brass stood waiting to spring into motion. The figure had the face and breasts of a woman, but also sported a substantial leather-clad penis. Where'd you get that? Ian tried to snatch the book away from her, but she managed to elude him. Only our premier customers receive copies of the catalogue. I presume my uncle must have been a customer at one time. Indeed, Gillian had often wondered when and how George had acquired the forbidden volume. It must have been before he married her sanctimonious aunt. In any case... I know about the guild and what you produce. I want to enroll as an apprentice. Hmm. We don't have any girls as apprentices. Ian stressed the inflammatory word just to annoy her. She restrained herself with difficulty from slapping him. After all, she needed the goodwill of these gentlemen if she was to be accepted. Girls need to stay pure for their husbands. Here in the guild, we tend to get pretty dirty. 
I'm anything but pure, Gillian chuckled. I probably know more about sex than you do. For example, I'm an expert in tribidism. As she'd expected, the two looked blank. You'd have to be willing to test the toys, said Archie. To her astonishment, he yanked down his trousers to reveal his prominent cock, encased in some sort of rubber envelope. For instance, when the security system alerted us, I was just checking out this new masturbation sleeve. From his pocket, he pulled a rectangular device about the size of a matchbox. Using this remote control, I can set the speed, the temperature, the pressure, and the lubrication. Oh, oh, my. The young man wilted, collapsing to the floor as the device enclosing his penis began to move. It rippled and bulged, giving his erect member a rhythmic massage and clearly driving the poor lad crazy. He flopped around on the tiles, jerking his pelvis toward the ceiling. Oh, 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 God. Ian leapt to his feet and grabbed the controller from his comrade's twitching fingers. Don't come, Arch, not yet. We've got to run through all the combinations. I'll just boost the intensity a bit. Oh, oh, fuck. I can't bear it. It's too much, Ian. Too much. Just one more notch. Then I'll set it on random automatic. Ah, that's... Oh, ah, amazing. You look so hot, Arch. I'm as hard as you. Ian dropped the tiny control panel into his own pocket, then ripped open his own fly. His rigid prick popped out as long and slender as the rest of him. Come here, gal. Let's see if you've got what it takes to be one of us. Gillian hesitated, but only for an instant. She'd never taken a man in her mouth. She knew the theory, though. She'd seen plenty of pictures. And to be honest, none of the images she had admired in her uncle's collection could begin to compare with the reality of Ian's magnificent member. The lust that had simmered in her centre as she surveyed the erotic artworks leapt into flame. She needed that lovely cock, rooting deep in her hungry cunny. She needed to be filled as much as she needed oxygen. With luck, his expertise in constructing devices for sexual stimulation meant he'd be a more skillful lover than her bloody cousin. Meanwhile, saliva gathered in her mouth as she imagined running her tongue along that elegant shaft and pursing her lips around the delicate curves of the bulb. Before her rational side could assert itself, she replaced the catalogue on the table, seated herself in his chair, and beckoned him closer. This floor's too hard for kneeling, she told him, as she grasped him at the base and squeezed. Plus, I don't want you to think you're above me. She leaned in and flicked her tongue over his cockhead. He groaned. Whatever you want, wench, but please, don't make me wait. Indeed, she'd been tempted to tease him, but the need in his voice made her generous. Making her lips into a smooth O, she slid her mouth down his length. His prick jumped and pulsed as she took him deeper, then sucked gently. His hips jerked, driving his knob against the back of her throat. In response, she drew back, keeping a tight, wet lock on his shaft. 
His moans helped her to refine her technique. When she intensified the suction, he bucked wildly. When she raked her teeth along the firm flesh, he screamed obscenities. He grabbed her head, burying his fingers in her hair, and took control. Again and again he rammed his prodigious engine into her mouth, faster and harder with each thrust. She didn't have time to lick or to suck, but that was fine. Indeed, she found it strangely thrilling to let him take what he wanted. He was close to spending. She recognized his desperate state from her ill-fated encounter with Lyle. Thinking she might help him along, she reached one hand into his trousers and cupped his bollocks. They tightened at her touch. His flesh shuddered against her tongue, then filled her mouth with warm, chalky fluid. She swallowed some, having heard that men enjoyed this. The odd taste aroused her almost as much as the taboo act itself. More spunk poured from his spurting member, more than she could swallow, until it spilled over her lips and down her chin. Finally, his spent dick slipped from her mouth. She wiped the jism from her face with the back of her hand, then licked it off. Ian watched her, eyes wide. His expression of astonishment was almost enough to send her into her own crisis of delight. In fact, if either he or Archie had been in any state to help, she would have gladly hiked up her skirts and settled her quim on one of their poles. However, Ian's tool was decidedly limp. Meanwhile, Archie's prick, as he peeled off the rubber sleeve, was strawberry red but thoroughly deflated. Gillian would need to wait for her own pleasure, but that did not bother her. She knew she could master whatever self-discipline was required. In addition, she had an intimation that here in the Toymaker's Guild, she would not have to wait long. We hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from The Pornographer's Apprentice. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.